0: Well good morning y'all. We are uh, in the middle of a series entitled Moving Forward as we would like to leave much of 2020 and a whole lot of other stuff in the rearview mirror and be able to move into this new year with more power and possibilities and positivity and Last week, we talked about moving forward by leaving the past in the past, and this week, we're talking about moving forward with intentionality. Um, as I was studying for this topic, uh, there were, I wanted to make sure, there were certain things that I wanted to communicate. Uh, I wanted to communicate that I think that in order to accomplish intentionality in our lives, that we have to fight through our natural instincts Um, of the things that hold us back from that. I wanted to communicate that living a life of intentionality the way Jesus defines it is different than the way the world defines it. And as I was studying for, (laughs) for this, I actually came across a sermon that I think accomplished all of that and quite frankly said it better than I could say it. And so, I'm gonna do something I've never done before. (laughs) I'm actually gonna preach somebody else's sermon. Um, On February 4th, 1968, exactly 60 days before he was killed, Martin Luther King Jr. stood behind the pulpit at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia And he delivered a sermon that was called The Drum Major's Instinct. And to me, it's one of the most powerful messages on intentionality that I've ever heard. And so when I come back up here on stage, um, that's the sermon that I'm going to be delivering to you this morning. Now, let me just say that I can't preach like he could preach. He's one of the best orators of our time. Um, but I think, you know, as I was reflecting on it this week, being Martin Luther King Day and stuff, um, we sometimes tend to think of him just as a great civil rights leader, but he was also just a great pastor. And so this morning, I would ask for a little grace, like as I deliver this message, that, um, you know, really focus in on the content and the words of the message rather than the limited capabilities of the one who's delivering and bringing the sermon to you this morning. (laughs) This morning, I would like to use as my subject from which to preach the drum major's instinct. And our text this morning is taken from a very familiar passage in the 10th chapter as recorded by St. Mark. Beginning with the 35th verse of that chapter. And there we read these words And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus said, Well, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus says, You don't even know what you're asking for you sit for you to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared and then Jesus goes on toward the end of that passage to say whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be servant of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The setting is clear. James and John are making a specific request of the master. They had dreamed, as most Hebrews dreamed in that day, of a coming king of Israel who would set Jerusalem free from Roman rule and establish their own kingdom on Mount Zion. And in righteousness, they would rule the world, and they thought of Jesus as this kind of king. And they were asking of that day, when Jesus would reign supreme uh, in his new kingdom. And they were saying, now, when you establish your kingdom and you're on your throne, let it be that one of us is on your left and one is on your right, and we can rule in power together. Now, very quickly, we would automatically condemn James and John, and we would say that they were being selfish, right? Why would they make such a selfish request? But before we condemn them too quickly, let us look calmly and honestly at ourselves, and we will discover that we too have those same basic desires for recognition, for importance, the same desire for attention, the same desire to be first. Of course, the other disciples got mad with James and John, and you can't blame them for that. But we, looking back on this, must understand that we have some of the James and John qualities, And there is deep down within us, all of us, an instinct. It's kind of a drum major's instinct. A desire to be out front. A desire to lead the pack, lead the parade. A desire to be first. And it is something that is in us. And it runs the whole gamut of our lives. And so... Before we go on and condemn them, let us see that we all have the drum major instinct. We all want to be important. We want to surpass others to achieve distinction, to lead the parade. Alfred Adler, the great psychoanalyst, contends that this is the dominant impulse. Sigmund Freud used to contend that sex was the dominant impulse. And Adler came with a new argument saying that this quest for recognition, this desire for attention, this desire for distinction, this is the basic impulse that drives each of our human lives, this drum major instinct. And you know... We begin early to ask life to put us first. Our first cry as a baby was a bid for attention. And all through childhood, the drum major impulse is a major obsession with us as we grow. Children ask life to grant them first place. They are just a little bundle of ego. And they have innately the drum major impulse. In them. Now, in adult life, we still have it. We really never get past it. We like to do things that are good, and you know when we do, we like to be praised for it, right? Now, if you don't believe that, you just go on living your life, and you will soon discover that you like to be praised. Everybody likes to be praised, as a matter of fact. And somehow this warm glow that we feel when we are praised or when our name is in print is something of like a a vitamin A that energizes our ego. Nobody is unhappy when they're praised, even if they know they don't deserve it, even if they don't even believe it themselves. The only unhappy people about praise is when that praise is going too much toward somebody else. Everybody likes to be praised, because that is the drum major instinct. But there comes a time that the drum major instinct can become destructive. And that's where I want to move on to now. I want to move on to the point of saying that if this instinct is not harnessed, it becomes, very, it becomes a very dangerous, pernicious instinct. For instance, if it isn't harnessed, it causes one's personality to become distorted. I guess that's the most damaging aspect of it, what it does to the personality. If it isn't harnessed, you'll end up day in and day out, trying to deal with your ego problem by boasting out of a sense of insecurity. Have you ever heard people that, and I'm sure that you have met them, that really become almost sickening because they just sit up all the time talking about themselves, and they just boast and boast and boast, and that is a person who has not harnessed the drum major instinct. And then the final great tragedy of the distorted personality of this instinct is the fact that when one fails to harness it, he ends up trying to push others down in order to push himself up. And whenever you do that, you engage in some of the most vicious activities. You will spread evil, vicious, lying gossip on people because you're trying to pull them down in order to push yourself up. And the great issue of life is to be able to keep that in check and harness that drum major instinct. And you know, that can also happen with the church. I know churches get in that bind sometimes. I've been to churches, you know, where the pastor will say proudly, we have so many doctors and lawyers and teachers and businessmen in our church and that's fine because doctors need to go to church lawyers need to go to church business people but they say that as if all the other people don't count but the church is the one place where the doctor ought to forget that he's a doctor the church is the one place where a phd ought to forget that he's a phd The church is the one place where the lawyer ought to forget that they're a lawyer. And so when the church violates the whosoever will let him come doctrine that Jesus declared when all are welcome, then they are the saddest among all churches because they have become a dead, cold church and nothing but a little social club with a thin veneer of religiosity. When the church is true to its nature, when the church is as God designed it, it says, Whosoever will, let him come. All are welcome here. It does not try to satisfy the perverted uses of the drum major instinct. It's the one place where everybody should be the same, standing before a common master, one savior. And a recognition grows out of this that we are all brothers and sisters because we are all children of the same God. The drum major instinct can lead to exclusivism in one's thinking and can lead one to feel that because he's got some education or training then he's a little bit better than the one who doesn't have it. Or because someone has more economic security they built for themselves, accumulated a little more wealth than anybody else, They, they, they feel like they're a little better than everybody else who doesn't have it. And that's the uncontrolled, perverted use of the drum major instinct. But let me rush on to my conclusion now. Because I want you to see what Jesus was really saying. What was the answer that Jesus gave these men? It's very interesting. One would have thought that Jesus would have condemned them. One would have thought that Jesus would have said, you are out of place You're selfish. Why would you even raise such a question? But that isn't what Jesus did. He did something altogether different. He said in substance, oh, I see you want to be first. You want to be great. You want to be important. You want to be significant. Well, you ought to be. If you're going to be my disciple, you must be. But he reordered the priorities and he redefined the definition. And he said, yes, don't give up this instinct. It's a good instinct if you use it right. It's a good instinct if you don't distort it and pervert it. Don't give it up. Keep feeling the need for being important. Keep feeling the need for being first. That's what gives you and drives it with you in your sense of mission and purpose. But... What I want you to see instead, what I want for you instead, is this. Be first in love. Be first in moral excellence. I want you to be first in generosity. That is what I want you to do. And so Jesus gave a new definition of greatness. He says, you want to be important? Wonderful. You want to be recognized? Wonderful. You want to be great? Wonderful. But recognize that he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. That is the new definition of greatness. And so this morning, here's what I want to say about this. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody gets to be great. Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle in order to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics in order to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And then, you can be that servant. And then, you can be great. I know a man, and I wanna talk about him for a minute. And maybe you'll discover who I'm talking about as I go along down the way, because he was a great one. He just went on about serving. In fact, he was all about serving. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a poor peasant woman. And then he grew up in still another obscure village where he worked as a carpenter until he was 30 years old. And then for three years, he just got up on his feet and went on and became an itinerant preacher. He went on about doing some things. He didn't have much. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. Never had a family. Never owned a house, never went to college, never went to the big city. In fact, he never went within over 200 miles from where he was born. He did none of the usual things that the world would associate with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him and they called him a rabble-rouser. They called him a troublemaker. They said he was an agitator. And so he was turned over to his enemies and went through what was a mockery of a trial. And while he was dying, the people who were killing him stood gambling for his clothes, the only possessions that he had left in the world. And when he was dead, he was buried in a borrowed tomb out of the pity of a friend. He died with nothing. But 19 centuries have now come and gone, and today he still stands as the most influential figure that ever entered human history. And all the armies that have ever marched, and all the navies that have ever sailed, and all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned, all put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as, as that one solitary life. His name, it's a familiar one. But today I can hear him talking about him. I hear somebody said, hey, he's the king of kings. I hear somebody else say, hey, he's the Lord of lords. But somewhere else I can hear somebody say, you know what? He just went around serving people. And doing good. And this morning I want you to know you can be on his right, you can be on his left, but the only way to be there is through serving. That is the only way in. Every now and then and I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will all be victimized by, with what is life's final common denominator. That something that we call death. We all think about it. And every now and then I think about my own death. And I think about my own funeral. I don't think about it in a morbid sense, but what I do think about it, and I ask myself, what is it that I would want said about me on that day? And so, I'm going to leave you with this word this morning. If any of you are around, when I meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them, don't talk too long. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell him not to mention where I went to school or where I got my degree. That's not important. I'd like somebody to mention on that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say on that day that I tried to to love somebody every day. I want you to be able to say on that day that I did try to feed the hungry to clothe those who were naked, to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. And yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all the other shallow things of my life, they will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave one thing behind, which is the committed life that I want to live. And that's all I want to be said of me. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left. Not for any selfish reason or any f- political ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth in a commitment to serve others so that we can make this old world a new world.
1: Every now and then I guess all think about about that day when we will be victimized With what is life's final common denominator? That's something we call death. We all think about it, and every now and then I think about my own death, and I think about my own funeral, and I don't think of it in a morbid sense. Every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would want said? And I leave the word to you this morning. If any of you around, when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. Every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards, that's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King, Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King, Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right. On the wall, question. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind, but I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a world song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian or If I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left side, not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your right or your left side, not in terms of some political kingdom or ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth and in commitment to others so that we can make of this old world a new world.